All right. So we have a um, pretty intense passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, It's really, really a profound story, a profound moment um, in Jesus' life and ministry. But before we get to that, I want to start with a question, as I quite often do. If you got on a boat and the captain of the boat said, I can take you wherever you want to go, um, except heaven. I had that response this morning. But let's, let's, let's assume that we're talking on earth. Um, where would you go? What, what destination would you choose? So, you know, I don't know, hands up, shout it out, just be confident one way or the other. New Zealand. New Zealand, all right. And why New Zealand? It's awesome. Okay, great. Fantastic. That's good enough. Not New Zealand. Not New Zealand. Okay, why is that? No. Oh, okay. I get about New Zealand. Okay, all right, all right. Wow. Anywhere else? Any any other places that you might go? Do you if you had the freedom to choose? Cuba. Cuba. Okay. Tell me about Cuba. Why Cuba? Okay. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Fantastic. Any other, you know, destinations that people go, this is where I would go. I know where I'd go. Anyone? California. California? Okay. The US. Do you want to share why? Street art. Street art. Art culture. Fantastic. All right. Do you want to see a few of my, you know, destinations? Okay, it'd be really awkward if you said no. Okay, so um, I believe this is uh, in the Bora Bora Islands, but really any of the tropical islands that have these huts out on the water, because um, I've always wanted to stay in one of those. I think that would be really cool to just be able to, you know, like from your bedroom, be watching the fish in the water. Um, so that's one of mine. Uh, what about a destination where you don't actually have to get off the boat to see something amazing? So there's this one. I have no idea where that is. Did anyone know where that is? It's New Zealand. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, fantastic. Is that New Zealand? Do, we, do Maybe, okay. Um, or the next one, Alaska. I would love to see some of those really big icebergs and, you know, how they have the tunnels through them and seals, not so keen on polar bears, but from a distance they'd be okay. And this one was for the kids this morning. So, you know, what if you could just pull your boat up right next to a theme park and have fun? So these are some of mine, and you guys have come up with some. Now I want to ask you the question, what do all of these kind of destinations have in common that we've shared? Why, why have we chosen these destinations? They're not here, okay, yep, that's a good start. Why, why is that significant? Travel is exciting. Travel's exciting. Okay, it's exciting, go places you're not used to. What else? What do, what do those destinations have in common? They're not work, yes, they're not work. They're fun, right? Um, most of us, I think, are choosing places where we can go and, and relax, go and unwind. Well, tonight, we're opening up a passage of Scripture where Jesus uh, has the ability, I believe, to choose where he takes 
his boat of disciples. Um, And he chooses a destination that I think is quite interesting. So what we're going to do, I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm actually going to get you guys to help, um, I guess, analyze what's going on in this passage. So there's two key questions, and I'm going to ask for a volunteer to help write on the whiteboard uh, in a moment. Um, I want, as I'm reading the scripture, I want you to think of words that describe the place that Jesus chose to go. So the physical environment, the place, what was there. Um, and then also who he met there. You know, what, what do you see uh, in that? And then after that, we're going to unpack probably a little bit of, of the, what does Jesus' choice teach us? What do we see in this story? What do we learn? Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Okay, so the passage that we're going to read is from Mark chapter 5. It'll be up on the screen, and um, starting at verse 1. So imagine, um, you know, they're just pulling up to shore. There's Jesus in the boat with the disciples, and and they're just pulling up, and that's where we, we come into this scene in Mark 5. It says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, He snapped the chains from his wrist and he smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside and into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. 
a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Is anyone good at writing on a whiteboard? (laughs) Is anyone good at writing on a whiteboard and wants to volunteer to write on the whiteboard? (laughs) Do you want to? It'd be great. All right, let's bring it over so we're all a little bit more together. All right, can everyone see this? All right, fantastic. All right, so what do we see in this story? What do we know about the place, the where, that Jesus chose to go? Shout out some descriptors, some things that... It was a graveyard, yeah. Or tombs or caves. The point being... It's a place where people brought dead bodies. What else? Yeah, it's also a pig farm, apparently. Not sure how you know big the distance was between the graves and the pigs, but you are good at this. That is awesome. Okay, fantastic. Pictures and everything. All right. Um... What else? Yeah, it's next to the lake. That's right. They arrive by boat. And clearly the the man can see them arriving or see them getting out of the boat. Anything else? Yeah, the Gerasenes. Okay, so um, now that's actually complicated. You can write Gerasenes on there, but you could also write um, the Gadarenes or, and there is another one, I don't know if it, which one? Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's actually three kind of names that it could be. Um, and that's a conversation for another time. <clears throat> Not important to what I want to share tonight, so we'll just leave that one right there. Um, all right, that's pretty good. Has anyone else got anything that else they want to add about the where? The... Yes, it's a place of Gentiles. Gentiles meaning non-Jewish people. And the pig farm kind of gives that one away, pretty much. All right. Okay, so that's, that's the what. (laughs) 
Fantastic. The who. Um, if, I don't know if you want to move that one. Um, the who. Okay. Who did Jesus go and see? Who did he meet there? Yeah, demon-possessed man. Yeah, there were uh, the townsfolk came out. Pig farmers. How are you going to draw a pig farmer? <laughs> townsfolk always have pitchforks. All right. For those listening at home, uh, John is is drawing pictures for all of the things that we list. It's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, We'll we'll let you carry on with that. Yeah, possibly. That's a good observation. Did he go to see all of these people or did he choose just to go and see the one person? It's a really good question. All right. Anything else that people want to chuck up there? Yeah, his disciples are with him, so they're they're on the scene. Definitely. They don't seem to be doing much in this this scene though. And I wonder if at the end of today if we can answer why that might be. Did they get out of the boat? That's a really good question, actually. That's a really good question. Okay. All right. So, I want to just highlight what we have here. So, Jesus is in a boat with a whole bunch of young Jewish men, students, impressionable um, young men. So some estimates say they were teenagers. You know, some people push it a little bit older than that into the 20s. There's probably a mix. Um, and Jesus has chosen to take them to a place where there's dead bodies, a place where there's pigs, and, um, you know, it's a Gentile area, so a non-Jewish area. And what else was there? probably more in the, the who category. There were evil spirits. Now, what are some things that a, um, a Jewish rabbi would teach a good Jewish young man not to go and see or engage with? Possibly dead bodies, because that would make them uh, unclean. Possibly pigs, do you think? Because, you know, the whole Jewish, we don't touch unclean animals, and pigs were an unclean animal. Uh, so that would be another one on the list of no-nos. Um, probably intentionally going to be in the presence of evil spirits would be another thing that the, the Jewish rabbis would be advising against. And, you know, I'm not sure that they'd have that you know, greater cause to normally go and hang out with Gentiles either. So it's a pretty pretty interesting location that Jesus is taking um, them to. And um, it seems the only person, there was only one person that he went to see, or maybe there, maybe 
He had plans to see more, but at the end of the day, they get back on the boat and leave again. So now in the what column or the why column, I want to ask the question, why did Jesus choose this place to go? And I'm going to preface this with, it was, I think it was a choice. I don't think they just accidentally turned up here. Um, you know, Jesus wakes up uh, in the mornings and prays. We, we see that a number of times. And, and in the Gospel of John, Jesus says to us very clearly, I only do what I see my Father doing. So I think there is intent here. I think this story is here for a reason. What do you think this story is there for, this moment What do you think Jesus wants us to grab hold of? That's a great one. Can we put that up? One One person is important. Thank you. One person is important. Love it. What else? Yeah, fantastic. God has power over evil. God doesn't... Yeah, God doesn't discriminate. So the person doesn't have to be in the in crowd. That's really cool. Good observation. Yep. Spreading the good news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, that's a really good observation. I haven't even factored that into to what I was thinking tonight. But um, so, in most of the cases that we have, the accounts um, of Jesus healing people, of freeing people, uh, and even when Jesus encounters evil spirits, he normally tells them, "Shh, don't don't tell who I am, don't tell about this." And of course, they pretty much all go and speak anyway, but... Um, um, yeah, he doesn't silence him. I don't know. Just put that there as a however you want. Um, that's a really good one. That is true. I did read that in a commentary, but I hadn't, hadn't planned on speaking to that tonight. Anything else that people want to put up before I tell you the correct answers? Oh, right. Yeah, okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. So that's a, that's a question. Um, why did Jesus, uh, and you could say have mercy on, on the evil spirits, or why did he actually um, acquiesce to their request? Has anyone seen Pirates of the Caribbean? That's the only time I've ever heard that expression used, and I love it. So it's good to pop that in there. Great movie. <clears throat> also, um, here, uh, oh, 
We'll give you some thinking time. Anyone else got anything they want to add while uh, Rowan is remembering? Yeah, yeah. That's an important observation. And we'll come back to that later. All right. Can we all give John a round of applause? I'd like to see one of those on a mug or a T-shirt at some stage, John. That would be really good. Okay, um... So there are a huge number of, of themes and things that we can learn from this passage, and I think we've covered um, a number of them here. You know, obviously, and it's a big one, um, it's made it into our, our top two there, our first two things come out. There is a, the obvious lesson that Jesus is bigger than anything we could ever face. Okay, so in this story... Um, Everyone was afraid of this man. Really, everyone was afraid of the evil spirits that were tormenting him. That's the, the underlying truth. Um, there was no one who was equipped to deal with this. Um, and so they resorted to chains. They resorted to kicking this, this man out of town. Um, but basically, everyone was scared. No one had power to deal with this. And yet Jesus walks in and... And he doesn't appear afraid in this scenario. Um, he, he appears to be in total control. Uh, he has authority and power over the evil spirits. And this is a, a huge, I think, and powerful reminder for us. Um, now, we could talk specifically around spiritual warfare from this passage. Um, it's not, I'm not spending time there tonight, but... Um, it's an important reminder for us that there is no one who can come against this God. He, he has power and authority over everyone and everything. Now, the demons know this. But they, they name him. They actually say, Jesus, son of the most high God. And they come and they know how big the gap is between their power and his. They, they basically fall at his feet and they beg for mercy because they know. This is a, a good, um, significant theme for us to take hold of. And I think there's times where we need to be reminded and, and remember how big our God is. There's another lesson here um, that I think is significant, and that is the whole fact that Jesus takes a bunch of young Jewish disciples into a place that all of their other religious teachers would have said, don't do that, don't go there. Um, we can't miss that in this passage. Uh, now, I believe this is intentional, and I believe this story is here for a reason. Uh, I believe that Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing, and, and so I choose to believe that he wants us to see uh, something in this. I think Jesus wants us to understand 
something significant in this passage that, you know, like we put up those lovely, or I put up those images of beautiful destinations, uh, we often want to choose the nice places to go. Uh, We want to choose the easy places, even uh, sometimes to do ministry, to serve. We want to pick the places that uh, really don't stretch us out of our comfort zone. But I think there's something significant in what Jesus does here is he takes his disciples into one of the darkest places uh, that we have recorded in the Gospels, one of the hardest situations. And I'm prepared to be, you know, corrected on this, but, but I find it really hard to think of another individual person in the whole of the New Testament whose life was transformed so much as this man. He went from being totally, totally tormented, agonized, isolated, rejected. I mean, he was living with dead bodies. He was living in tombs. People tried to tie him up. I mean, just an absolutely agonized existence. And in that moment when Jesus shows up, his life was transformed. He went from, from a horrible uh, experience to, to a life where he was, uh, had purpose. He was going out and sharing. He had freedom. I can't think of any, anyone else. I mean, Lazarus was brought back from the dead. That's pretty cool. Uh, but he died again, um, let's be honest. This man experienced massive transformation. And I wonder if there's something in this story that Jesus wants to highlight here, um, that the kingdom can do some of its most powerful transformative work in the places where there is the least hope, in the places where it's hardest, in the places where we are the most powerless. Because that's the reality of this situation. You know, all human attempts had failed this man. So I think that's a, an important theme for us to, to pick up here. And the obviously obvious question is, are we today as Jesus' followers willing to follow him into hard places? To follow him into places that, you know, we have to step across the chicken line We have to step beyond our own capacity. Maybe step into things that uh, that are scary. Are we prepared to keep following him when things get hard? There's another thing that I want to speak to, though, tonight. Um, Does anyone know the story that comes just before this one, in, in the Gospel of Mark. I'll give you a hint. It involves a boat and a lake and lots of scared disciples. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus takes his disciples out on a boat, and the full story is they experience a storm that scares them half to death. 
They, they, they wake Jesus up and say, don't you care that we are going to die? They were totally rocked by this storm. It was a horrible, horrible moment. Now, I want to ask you, there's, there's many, many uh, testimonies, books, you know, scholars love to quote that Jesus is the best leader that has ever existed, most amazing leader. I'm not sure if today, by today's standards, it would be a good thing to take a group of people who have just been traumatized um, in fear of their life and then take them into another situation that is just totally, totally beyond any of their comfort zones. You know, me being the, the kind and gentle leader that I am, I would be looking for the huts out on the water to say, let's just get some R&R and we'll, we'll take a moment to debrief here because that was pretty intense. But no, Jesus takes them, as best we can tell, straight from the storm into this moment. And hence the question, I actually wonder whether the disciples got out of the boat. I think they probably did. I think they got out and hugged the, the land and, and didn't go much further. We don't know. But I wonder what they were experiencing. You know, obviously they were in awe of Jesus' power over the storm. Um, but I wonder how they were feeling. And then Jesus takes them somewhere which really would have, have rocked them. Because all of their teaching would have been, you don't go here. And the reason I want to highlight this, I think, um, is we're in a pretty hard place. And we're in a society right at the moment that is experiencing a lot of fear. <clears throat> And I just want to ask the question of us. What is, what is God wanting of you here in Canberra right now? Because there are a lot of people with a lot of toilet paper in their garage right now. There are a lot of people really genuinely worried that they would fight physically be abusive in supermarkets because of fear. And we have just come off bushfires. We've come off floods, come off hailstorms, and now we've got, you know, the pandemic. We're in a, a situation where people around us are panicking. People around us are full of fear. And I actually wonder... What is God calling us to be in this moment for our next door neighbours, for our work colleagues, uh, for those in our, our sphere of influence? I'm not saying that we become a people that just becomes blasé or, or throws caution to the wind, but I think there's some people who, who need a little bit of calm in our community at the moment. Uh, I, I think this passage that we've read tonight, there are so many things going on. You could take this passage this week and read it every day, and I think Jesus would be able to, to speak and challenge and invite uh, conversation. 
I just want to um, pray for us that we would, we would be able to listen uh, to the God who goes into the hard places, the God who is bigger than anything that we face, and the God who, who wants to take us with him into those places. So that's really all I want to say. I'm going to pray for us and um, just want to invite you to pause and think, where is God wanting to meet you tonight? Is he wanting to actually bring you some peace? A reminder of, of how big he is in the midst of, of the storms and the strife that each of us may be facing. Let me pray. Father God, I want to thank you for your, your grace. I want to thank you that one man, isolated in a graveyard, is important to you. That is who you are. You see and you know and you care. And I want to thank you that you go beyond your comfort zone, that you step into places that you don't, you don't like what is going on because you want to meet us, because you want to love us, you want to serve us, you want to bless us. God, I want to pray that right here, right now, Holy Spirit, you would come and remind us that you hold each one of us in your hands. And the reality is that each of us are going to face things that we don't like. The reality is we are not in control. Holy Spirit, would you come and remind us that your hands are under us? around us and over us. And that there is nothing in our life that is bigger than you. Holy Spirit, I want to invite you tonight to breathe peace into each of our hearts. I want to pray over us that uh, God might just bring some people or situations to mind in our lives. That he may be wanting us to actually pass on a little bit of peace to. God, what are the places that you're calling us to go to be your hands and feet? I want to pray, God, that if there's uh, anyone here right now that you're speaking to and, and the place that is on their heart or the person that is on their heart is, is hard, challenging, scary, that it might stretch them beyond their own abilities. God, I want to ask for your, your gift of faith and your gift of courage. 
that they would know that saying yes to you and stepping into that relationship or that space, you will go with them and you will provide what they need. You will surround them. And God, I pray that that each of us might have hope and faith that we might see transformation around us. Not because of our strength, not because of our human abilities, but because of your ability to go with us and to bless. God, I want to thank you for your power, for your presence, for your goodness. I also want to thank you for your gentleness. In the the passage we read tonight, there is one person who ran to Jesus. And Jesus met that person's needs. But when the other people ran and said, will you please leave us alone? We see a God who didn't force his way into their lives. We see a God of grace and gentleness. I want to pray that we will be people who will run to you, not away from you. Help us to to choose you. Help us to move towards you. But God, also help us to be people of grace and gentleness with those in our lives. Help us to watch for those who, who want to step towards your goodness. And help us to be gentle and patient with those who don't yet. God, will you bless each of us, your ambassadors, your people, your children, with wisdom, with love, with grace, with mercy, with peace, with kindness, with passion, to go into this world and be your hands and feet. Amen.